1: You think the Russians I mean I'm sorry. You think the Republicans in this committee investigating Russia are not taking the investigation seriously? At best it's been an in-curiosity and at worst
2: it looks like it's been working in partnership with the White House to tell their narrative and not to, you know, take back our freedom to choose in the next election.
1: Welcome to politics, the show determined to get close enough to the fires of the apocalypse to pop our corn kernels. My name is Tim Batt, and I'm coming to you from Auckland, New Zealand. My name is Jeb Lund and I am in Florida
2: and awaiting the throes of Halloween.
1: Yeah, it's so weird how we straddle the different um, time zones because I just had Halloween before and apparently my brain is not advanced enough to intellectualize two different dates happening simultaneously. Freaks me out, man. Well, I... I just wanted
2: to warn you because it's getting close to five and I live in one of those neighborhoods with lots of kids and I swear they just start coming to the door earlier and earlier. So if you hear a lot of banging on the podcast audience and and Tim, it's probably people dressed up like uh, um, uh, like Ilsa from Frozen.
1: Yeah, I just threw a big bowl outside my door yesterday because we went out for dinner. It was like filled with little uh, fun sized chocolate bars. I live in a, a, a neighborhood I can't really afford to live in, so I figured the, the kids would be all right. They'd be, they wouldn't rob me. They'd just kind of take the appropriate amount of candy and leave some for the rest.
2: Yeah, and if you put it out early enough, you know, the kids they're there with their parents. It's going to be responsible. It's the people that start coming by after eight. Yeah, when you know it's when it's getting to the teen years a little bit. That's yeah, where it's the always uh, been the miscreant behavior starts.
1: Yeah, don't people in the future don't do that. Well, in fact. Let, let's let's have an official politics cut off age for going trick or treating. I reckon thirteen is probably a good a good bit. Yeah,
2: I think. Well, in in the U.S., I think at the end of middle school. Once you start high school, so that's ninth grade. So you're about fourteen. You know, once you're in high school, don't because most go. of your peers at that point, you know, they're going to be older, and you know, you're if you're if you're doing a costume, it's going to be pretty scary or you know maybe it's a slutty costume or maybe it's sort of slackery and half-assed but it's not whimsical i mean yeah trick-or-treating is like is a whimsical thing you know it, once you're 14 like a eh, somebody
1: could take you to a job you could get your own candy you yeah, don't get need, a fucking I, I don't job need to be teenagers your... god damn it and get yeah. off my lawn with your stupid ass costume you're too old for this
2: you know, what What would be a really good solution is if you got like a time lock bucket and from you just put it out at like five, you put out two and from five to eight or whatever. When you're out at dinner, it's mini Snickers and mini Three Musketeers and Spree and Nerds and all those fun things. And then that locks at eight. And then at eight, it opens up like like Necco wafers <laughs> and and anything that tastes like an antacid tablet. Oh, that's uh, any good. any old. Yeah, like, not Werther's original, but, uh, uh, you know, something mentholated that grandparents suck on. Like, it's got my favorite flavors,
1: like honey and and eucalyptus. <laughs> Jesus. I like that. Yeah, it becomes repellent. You're just full of ideas. Yeah. Good on you, Jeb. Um, well, look. I'm, ver- it- I'm spiteful with age. That's- <laughs> yeah, that's my interpretation. You're getting smarter. Um, hey, lots has been happening. Quite a lot's been happening in the news. Robert Mueller has made his uh, first move in the investigation into the Trump campaign. Uh, And it it turns out that they might have turned a guy. And a lot of experts expect that he's been wearing a wire for the last couple of months um, and trying to spy on whoever he can get close to at the White House for the FBI. It's this 30-year-old former Trump campaign staffer named George Papadopoulos. Hope I'm saying that right. He was arrested in late July and ever since then has been... Uh, I think the quote was actively cooperating with the Mueller team, and then at the start of October, he pleaded guilty to initially lying to the FBI, uh, and we just found out about this about two days ago. And alongside that, uh, there's also been charges laid with Paul Manafort, uh, and who's the other guy? Rick? Rick something? Gates. Rick Gates, and neither of those two dudes have plead guilty, but the 30 year old uh, former campaign staffer, he did plead guilty and seems to have gotten some sweet plea deal out of it. Uh, so, Jeb, is this important? Seems important. Seems big. Yeah, this
2: is not what I expected. So, on my other podcast, my partner Charles and I were talking about it, and we thought they were going to roll up some low level hump like yeah. Carter Page, some obvious boob who was just going to, you were going to hope. Uh, the trump administration was afraid of but the the fact that they did manafort gates and then this guy at once it just showed the full spectrum of what they were doing because the manafort uh, charges they're all basically numbers on paper and they're very basic uh crimes that he committed you don't have to get another witness you don't have to prove intent the paper is going to be enough and you know you're you're on bank fraud tax fraud um you know, failure to report several things and then lying to the FBI. Uh, So all of that is going to be incredibly difficult for his attorneys. And no matter how much money he has, they have a huge uphill battle to keep him out of prison. So, you know, the chance of rolling him up is a lot better because this isn't one of those, like he said, she said things. Just look at the fucking paper.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: And then, and the other guy, like the, the, the Papadopoulos thing is interesting to me too, because so many of the people in the Trump orbit Are used to, you know, working on a Trump salary, which is you get nothing or I'm going to promise you a bunch and you're going to get nothing. Yeah. And these guys probably don't have the wherewithal to be bled white fighting the FBI. And, you know, while they they were good at taking orders from Trump, I don't know as if they necessarily have much loyalty when they look at the fact that in order to stay out of jail, they will wind up with
1: zero assets. So it just, it, they, also, they did such a good job
2: of top to bottom
1: addressing it. So I'm, I'm good. Yeah, Sorry. <laughs> it, it is not a charge like shoplifting or something. This is basically, you know, sniffing around treason and things like that. This is the, the Papadopoulos one in particular. He initially lied to the FBI when they first uh, interviewed him. And he was, am I right in saying that he was attempting to coordinate meetings between the Russians and the Trump campaign? And he lied about that. And when the FBI found him, he uh, deleted his Facebook and got rid of his phone. And then uh, they went back and talked to him again when he had a lawyer. And he was like, yep, uh, done fucked up. Let's make a Let's make a deal.
2: Well, yeah, even if the stuff he had been doing up until that point was questionable or it was something that could be argued in court, like his intent and who in the Trump campaign he had access to whether the people he was speaking to in Russia were really part of some cabal designed to turn him as an intelligence asset. All of that speculation and all of that stuff that could have made at least a more convincing counter argument in court goes out the window when he basically stonewalls the FBI, goes home and starts trying to destroy communications. Yeah. Which he's doing because he has communications on his Facebook account with some of these Russian contacts so they've already got him dead to rights on that and they'd bring him back in and go, "Look, you fucked up." Yeah. You know, if you if you start copping to this, uh maybe we can negotiate uh the other things you fucked up. And it seems pretty obvious that that he has been forthcoming with them because the sentencing recommendation that came down with the plea was I think 0 to 6 months, which is probably going to be probation, which means this guy just walks what for what
1: he's already done. Terrifying, but so uh kind of typical of this ragtag campaign that got put into the white house the dude is literally my age he's 30 he was there. i couldn't i was trying to find his birthday to see if we were the same age to the day but he was born in august 1987 just like me and to think that this guy is involved in like high level espionage or you know sort of accidentally tripped over it like mr magoo style is just insane that he was put in a position where he was fielding communications Uh, betwixt the Russians and the guy who became president it's so crazy and uh, just on the Manafort stuff like the charges that have been put forward uh, so far that we know about a lot of them are about money laundering and the thing with money laundering is that you only have to launder money if you've kind of gotten it through a real fucked up way anyway so it's it's sort of the surface level crime that when you pierce the veneer of it you start to find out what's gone on uh, underneath that you've you've got to try and clean this dirty money Right. And then he he misrepresented the groups that he
2: was lobbying on behalf of. So he was he was lobbying on behalf of four of a foreign government, uh, Ukraine, and he disguised it as basically being some, I think, like Dutch or whatever, uh, like friends of Ukraine. Right. <laughs> like, right. Uh, pack to sort of launder it. And this is the one interesting thing I'd be curious to see if it gets really distorted is um I think one of the groups that he was dealing with was uh, Tony Podesta's John Podesta's brother's uh, lobbying group and, you know, to whom he misrepresented himself. And this seems to be like the the thing that the right wing is going to latch on to as this media, this exculpatory media excuse. Like, well, once again, we see the the deep roots of the the democratic establishment they were in fact the ones who knew that paul like there'll be some double argument like a paul manafort did nothing wrong but b uh he did do something wrong but he only got to do it wrong because uh tony podesta was such a greedy person that he enabled it and and so like we'll have these two conflicting ideas in our head to excuse the fact that he's lying about working as a foreign agent failing to register as a foreign agent and kind of you know, moving this money through American lobbying firms and and this sort of weird European cutout.
1: This is the difficult thing about the sort of entrenched nature of the, the tribalism that's in politics at the moment, is that if, if uh, there's kind of this false equivalence that gets thrown out a lot of the time where um, if the other side has done a small thing wrong, but your side has done a big, a big thing wrong, you can kind of take both sides down equally. And it's 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 played out so many times in the last couple of years, um, and especially with the election campaign. And it seems to be what they that is just their default uh, position. Where if anything goes wrong, they'll kind of jump to Hillary Clinton. And you know what? Hillary Clinton's probably done some fucked up stuff. And I'll bet those Podesta boys have done some fucked up stuff too. Um, and I'm not talking Pizzagate bullshit. I'm just talking normal weird money sloshing around, uh, weird people being involved style um, politicking but the thing is is that now one side is in the White House and some, some pretty funky stuff's been happening like I've got the New York Times uh, piece where they've written this up in front of me now and they've, they've just laid out all of the um, payments that have been made and I think all of them were made through wire transfer, which is not how you pay for stuff. Uh, but this is this is what's come through from the um uh, from the court documents. Antique rug store, nine hundred and thirty four thousand three hundred and fifty dollars spent. Like that it's that's, that's pretty normal, right?
2: I got a lot of rugs. I you know, I to be honest, I'm very comfortable with them. I never really felt like I needed to price them, but
1: they're probably worth like six hundred thousand dollars. That's my there. guess. There's a, a menswear store yeah. that got eight hundred and fifty Well, sorry. Do you know what? That's unfair. That's unfair to Paul Manafort. I'm rounding up. Eight hundred and forty nine thousand two hundred and fifteen dollars at a clothing store. Uh, that's just at yeah. one in New York. And then another half million at a Beverly Hills clothing store.
2: That's that's normal. That's you know, maybe maybe like fifty percent more than what I
1: spend. Is twenty thousand dollars just to housekeeping in New York? Not bad. This is a good I'm a thing. messy person. Yeah. I, uh, I, you know,
2: like I knock things
1: off shelves. Um, Bruce, you got to look after those antique rugs too. When you're buying like <laughs> a million dollars worth of them, you need very special uh, housekeeping to look after them.
2: But yeah, when I get like when I get one of my Hermes scarves and like one of the good ones, like the thirty foot long ones that can choke in a you know a Hollywood actress who's driving a convertible, uh, and I'm just whipping it around my apartment. What I'll often do is just knock a jug of like let's say eight thousand dollar artisanal Kool Aid onto one of my fifty thousand dollar rugs that I keep just behind the sofa, um, and and then like oh, what will happen is sometimes I will also knock some of that kool-aid onto my french cuff shirts and then i gotta go to the cleaners i mean it's just this whole i mean like it, it's it's a vicious cycle and you can really see how he found wound up in this position i mean you are gonna be thing. open-minded
1: because if you're going to spend eighteen thousand dollars on a tie then you kind of need to couple that with a, with a twenty five thousand dollar shirt and all of a sudden you're walking out of a beverly hills menswear store with like four hundred thousand dollars worth of stuff that you'd obviously you're going to use a wire transfer for that it's uh it's just how stuff works these days um but
2: and like and you're gonna need like you need a stain pen and you're gonna have to go to like the one radio shack that didn't go out of business to get like the special stain pen that's like it's not really technically street legal comes with like titanium kind of uh uh like frame and like it you know slips right in there with the mont blanc in your pocket but it's gonna take the stain out of your kind of like herringbone powdered white you know kind of heavy cream shirt
1: the, the argument that's coming out of the White House now via Sarah Huckabee Stan- Sanders is that uh, this is all unrelated stuff. This is stuff that Paul Manafort did on his own time. We barely know who the dude is. He was only the campaign chair for, for a couple of months. This is nothing to do with us. How long, Jeb, do you think that will be able to stick for well firstly i shouldn't i shouldn't prejudge this do you think that's legitimate and secondly if it's not how long will that be able to stick for
2: that's of course it's not legitimate it's horseshit i mean that guy couldn't have been running the campaign for that long without like having any kind of overlap with his his other business interests and like and again some of these communications that are ongoing with russia with uh, underlings of manafort um, like, they're going on while he's in, he's in charge of the campaign. Uh, I don't think his money laundering magically stopped uh, when when he worked for Trump. I'm sure you can find a, an existing transaction that happened while he was running the campaign. Uh, and then, of course, like, the reason why he is laundering that money would also be a strong persuasive reason for why he would want to run the campaign. Again, remember, he he said proudly that he was not taking any money to run Trump's campaign. So where is his benefit yeah. from that it now if he's if he's in deep to uh, to some russian oligarchs or to some people who helped fund his activities in ukraine it's a great way to suddenly buy influence it's a great way to clear out some debts i mean we're not going to hear the end of that we're also not going to hear the end of like well it happened beforehand i mean that's like one of those
1: simple it's such a simple lie it's not going to go away do you know what I'm really hoping for with this Mueller campaign, or the Mueller investigation into the campaign, rather, is that they can find a way to implicate Pence, and kind of quickly. Because I feel like if there's any way that that snake sees a viable path to um, maybe enacting the 25th Amendment and getting rid of Trump that way, he's, if, if, if it gets to a point where he looks like it's about 80% sure he'll be able to pull it off, I reckon he'll do it. And then, as we found out in that huge uh, piece in, was it Vanity Fair? Uh, that massive expose on uh, Mike Pence that' would be a very bad thing. It was a New Yorker. It was Jane Mayer in the New Yorker. man that was good. That was like one of the, I don't read long articles like that Jeb. not a big reader myself. I like the pictures you see <laughs> but I read that thing from start to end. That was compelling reading and I you know if you haven't uh, if you haven't read it, you really should because uh that pence is a creepy little dude even his family seems semi creeped out by him and the conservative christian that he's turned out to be because they seem like kind of moderate reasonable catholics from what i was reading
2: yeah and i've gone on about this with so many people but it's it is a pure joy to read his brother essentially say like yeah my brother mike he's a sleazy little fuck uh, <laughs> i still love him but and then just sort of trailing off <laughs>
1: Oh, man. Uh, well, I'll tell you what. We're going to take a short break, and we're going to come back, and uh, we're going to talk about some stuff, and it might be tax. But it also might be interesting, but it also might be tax. He, I'm sorry. He's in a position to speak directly to who did what, which Clinton did what with which Russian
2: and which uh, uranium company. He he knows firsthand what went on, right? Well, I think he, he knows firsthand what the underbrush that was leading to facilitating this deal i think he's going to say that the russians were very concerned with currying favor with the clintons i think he's going to produce a lot of documents but we got to bring him in and go
1: through all that this is politics a show about lies and the men who tell them now jeb i've been uh, <laughs> i've decided to shunt the tax talk down the line a little bit because i want to hear about this uranium one thing that um everyone on the right is talking about at the moment Hillary Clinton sold some uranium to the Russians and her husband, Bill, was involved. There's my understanding of the story. Yeah, right.
2: I mean, it's it's kind of like the what uh, uh, we were talking about, Huckabee Sanders, and saying, well, I mean, all this happened before the campaign and it has nothing to do with us. I mean, this is one of those simple lies that just won't die because it's so simple. And it's just very easy to do. And, and like you said, it's, well, the other side did something bad, so whatever we did, eh. Um, it, it, this came up during the campaign. It came up immediately after, uh, Trump was elected because there was the talk about, well, isn't he cozy with the Russians? Uh, we need to be worried about what he'll do with the Russians. And the retort was, well, what about Hillary Clinton and the Russians? And then the, the story effectively died until about maybe a week to 10 days ago when, uh, writers in the Hill newspaper, which has a kind of carve out for, uh, particularly, uh, sleazy, uh, Republican innuendo. Uh, not all of the Hill is like that, but there are a couple people on staff who their job is basically just to be full of shit. Um, it's called the, the Fanist Doctrine, J.B.,
1: and it's very important. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, but i, I it, it, it got advanced there. And then it also got advanced uh, with it because it had the imprimatur of being in some place like the Hill. Right wing media could say, like, hey, you know, look, everybody is talking about it. It's a very serious issue in the same way that uh, tabloid rumors about the Clintons would creep up in the 90s in British papers and then respectable outlets like the Wall Street Journal could say, well, we're, you know, we're not saying that they're running a coke smuggling operation and death squad out of the MENA airport. But it's in the conversation. And so this is kind of what's been going on with this. The, the basic thing is that um, the United States okayed the sale uh, of a company to a Russian, uh, a Russian any energy concern whose name I, I can't remember how to pronounce correctly. So I'm just going to bail on it. Uh, the accusation is that uh, Hillary Clinton sold 20% of America's uranium to Russia um and like unsurprisingly none of that is true yeah Uh, i think rossatom is i think the name of the company anyway rossatom acquired a canadian uranium mining company that has land in the united states and 20 percent of the u.s's mining capacity of uranium uh is controlled by this company and and on their property in the US. Like the way that the, the accusation is phrased, it's like we gave away 20% of our uranium period. No, like our existing stockpiles, our existing weapons, none of that was given away. And then the other factor here is that we cannot allow uranium from US territory by law to go to a foreign power. So any of their holdings in the US, anything that they mine out of there is not going to go to Russia anyway. Uh, it, if anything, like it looks like Rosatom invested in this because the company also has uranium holdings in Kazakhstan where Russia can get access because of friendly government uh, to that uranium. So it probably had nothing to do with us, so but the, it makes for a good talking point.
1: The, the charge that's been leveled is that Hillary Clinton personally used her husband to sell secretly 20% of America's uranium to Russia. And what actually happened is the State Department were one stakeholder involved in okaying a decision. In my understanding, not even the predominant uh, sort of deciding party, um, that a sale of a company could happen. Would I be right in saying that? Right. Yeah, no, uh, you're absolutely
2: right. So there were nine different entities in the U.S. that could go ahead and make a recommendation of approval or disapproval of this job. The buck ultimately stopped with Obama. So there. with some people, the implication is, Obama did this because he knew it was going to benefit Bill and Hillary and it was going to put money in their pocket. Uh, But that also kind of falls apart when you consider like nine of these agencies, um, not all of them were under the rubric of the executive branch. So they couldn't put their thumb on the scale with all of them. If this were like such a catastrophe for the US, it would have probably stood to benefit any of those other agency heads. Or or, you know, affiliated recommending groups heads to say, hey, this is a catastrophe for the United States. Ethically speaking, we cannot support it. And yet everyone went okay because like the actual structure of the deal is not a catastrophe. It's very, very normal. And then, of course, like the back end of that is well, the Clinton Foundation got money. And of course, like the Clinton Foundation has been audited and, and is like a very, very well functioning charity. The Clintons do not profit directly from it. There is like nobody can find the quo in this quid pro quo.
1: Yeah. And this, this seems like exactly the kind of thing where if that um, if the Obama administration, whether it be you know from the White House itself or the State Department, if they had to put their finger on the scale to try and stop the sale of this company, that seems like exactly the kind of thing that the Republicans would be jumping up and down about government interference and overreach into the private sector anyway. So <laughs> they were kind of like, we're damned if they did and damned if they didn't, right? I don't know as if it would have been that
2: opportune to hop on that because again you know that you're talking about a Russian firm investing in this and it's really easy to invoke that boogeyman yeah I just think that this is something that happened and you know somebody just went back through the daily updates or the daily briefings until they found something that had to do with the Clintons had to do with that could be tied to the Clinton Foundation and happened to pair up with a, you know an opportune subject I mean, I really feel like and, and i almost certain this isn't incorrect like a lot of the people who are doing oppo for this stuff just start plugging in keywords clinton russia until they find something and then they go well this obviously counterbalances everything everyone is saying about trump because it says clinton and it also says russia and kind of like when you see uh you know a a, a 10x on one side of the equal sign and a 10x on the other side of the equal sign in an equation multiplying something you can just strike them both out because they counterbalance one another. And this is the, the
1: BS arithmetic that works, for lack of a better term. Speaking of math, uh, I'm going to throw the tax uh. thing at you now, Jeb. So the the I think the tax bill is being uh, announced this week. It could be tomorrow or in a couple of days. So um, people are going to finally get to see what's in this bill that the Republicans have been crafting behind closed doors. Everyone's best guests and analyses so far is that it's uh it's probably going to benefit the rich it's being trumpeted as this um big tax reform for the middle class and to be honest if they do- if they're changing as much stuff as they say they are they probably can't help but trip over a few victories in there that they'll be able to herald as well and that you know good on them if they manage to find some good stuff in there um but tax law is one of those things where the devil really is in the detail so you need places like the cbo to score it and for tax experts who are non uh you know unbiased nonpartisan to be able to have a look at it and try and determine what the effects are going to be but um the republicans are already like i'm hearing a lot of them going on the weekend chat shows talking to john dickerson and um and uh and chuck on nbc and Putting forward this thing that they, it's this pro-growth tax bill, is what it is, pro-growth. Now, that's not a term that we use in the Antipodes here in New Zealand, but is that kind of just a synonym for trickle-down economics? Because it's kind of what it sounds like. It's like if we give all these rich corporations a big old tax break, they're going to hire more people and raise everyone's wages, which just sounds like what Reagan said. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Well, that's, uh, that's damning. And I've got another question for you because I was talking um, with my partner about this last night, the, the possibility of Trump being impeached, I think, has a lot to do with whether or not the Republicans can get the tax bill passed. If they can achieve tax reform, I reckon he won't get impeached. And if they can't get it across the line, I think there's a way greater chance of him being impeached, because the political will to keep him in there will simply be gone. Do you think that that's a fair assessment? It reminds me a lot of the Thomas
2: Jefferson quote about slavery, um, and that it's basically like holding on to a wolf by the ear, right? You can't keep doing it, but you can't afford to let him go, right? You know, you you it can't be unrestrained, uh, but if like as soon as you give it up, like at this point, you know, it, it it is only going to hurt you. And I think that is the we're fucked either way calculus that the Republican Party has with Trump, because. They need to placate the base, and Trump has that 30, 35 percent of just complete loyalist. Uh, they, they clearly, you know, the Republican establishment knows they really can't control their, their populist wing anymore. So Trump makes it for a welcome distraction. He's also a welcome distraction for leftists. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. Because we're all outraged by what he's doing and we hit outrage fatigue and there's not much we can say about they're trying to rush a tax bill through Congress without effective CBO scoring or without things going through committee. I mean, the, 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 the normal process of passing a law is not something that people kind of galvanically focus on. So if they lose Trump, then even if they haven't gotten what they wanted, they also lose the distraction that keeps focus off they're doing really evil shit anyway. They also alienate their base. So it's like, well, you're not going to get anything done with him or you're going to get less done with him, but you're also going to get less done without him because you're going to lose support and you're going to lose this welcome distraction. And, you know, to a certain extent they like that last bit because they can always say like, well, you know, Trump forced us into it. I mean, the, the healthcare bill didn't fail because Trump didn't go out and sell it. It's that, People looked at what was in it and nobody actually likes conservative beliefs on health care, except people who are so affluent, it makes no no difference to them. Like the average citizen, when they look at what conservatives want to do with health care or the tax code, rightly, when they when they actually see the document go, none of this actually helps me. In fact, it may kill me. Yeah. And and so like, you know, the, no Trump could have been the best salesman in the world. He really could have been the, the salesman he likes to claim that he is but he was going out and selling poison.
1: So then it sounds like it really is going to have to rise to the level of the P tape being released to get the dude impeached based on what you're saying.
2: I don't know. I mean, we would have to start talking about what happens if he tries to fire Mueller. um, What happens if people notice their constituents coming after them and they feel like their seats aren't, uh, uh, aren't secure. I mean, you're going to have to see a movement in public opinion. I mean, his, his, his uh his polling his unfavorables are i think the highest at this point in a presidency in history yeah uh certainly like none of them are are, look good uh uh, but again like it 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 still hasn't dented that base and if you are in a gerrymandered republican district that's the thing that's going to elect you
1: Well, let's play that out a little bit in terms of what would happen if he did fire Robert Mueller, because legally speaking, he has the ability to do so as president, right?
2: He has the ability to fire people until they're replaced by somebody who will fire Robert Mueller. So Rod Rosenstein would have to fire Robert Mueller. Right. But if Rod Rosenstein won't, he can fire Rod Rosenstein and hire and then appoint somebody else who does that first thing.
1: And then that would so, be kind of like the the um, the massacre under Nixon. So if, uh, I mean, because I think everyone assumes that if Robert Mueller got fired, then that would kind of be it. But I think a lot of people, if you had of projected forward before James Comey got fired and you said that Trump's going to fire the head of the FBI and he's going to come out and reveal himself that it's because of the Russia investigation, Most people would be like, yeah, that's impeachable. That'll get him impeached. So I'm just, i kind of operating from a once-bitten, twice-shy sort of perspective where it kind of feels like it won't be the big deal that everyone assumes it will be because every time something like this happens with Trump, everyone goes, oh, this will be it, this will be it, and it never seems to happen. So it's like all the rules seem to be off. So I can kind of, in my head, just based on watching how the last six months have played out, There being a world where Robert Mueller could be fired by instruction or pressure from the White House and Trump would still be there and not get impeached. Am I crazy to think that?
2: No, I mean, I think you would never lose money at this point in assuming that the Republican Party would be completely gutless in terms of responding to any outrage of general indecency or open corruption from the uh uh, from the trump administration i admit that anytime i think well if they fire him if they get rid of muller it'll be the last straw i mean that's that's me grasping at one too um on the other hand it it also is one of those things that is almost kind of telegenically perfect i mean muller is a veteran he's a lifelong republican he has this great pedigree in the fbi uh bipartisan support he's absolutely straight-laced i don't think there are any skeletons in his background uh you know the the his history under the bush administration is of integrity in the face of being pushed around by a you know an uh, an executive that's crossing the line everything that you could hope for uh you know in a victim is in robert Mueller, and so it would be very easy for you know even uh you know even the, the sort of staid and and upright uh right wing uh publications to say you know you've crossed a line and that that i mean you would have a pretty easy way to have a a big chorus of now somebody has to stop this this fucker i mean like we we've dicked around waiting for you to grow a spine you get one now or we're going to hammer you on this every single fucking day i kind of want to believe that's the case because you know it's just a i hope clear, so like-
1: i'm just ba- i'm basing this mainly off the reaction that happened when comey was fired and it just seemed to go away after a certain point it, trump has this ability to weather the store make up crazy shit feel no shame remorse or embarrassment about his actions and just keep pumping out tweets and then eventually people move on to the next crazy thing he's done and it becomes completely normalized it's still a real fucking crazy thing that he managed to fire james comey that's nuts but it doesn't get talked about because there's so much other shit to talk about, you know? Well, but it was also well within his power to get rid of Comey. I mean, the guy,
2: like, that that's, that's just true. a straight line of authority. You can go ahead and get rid of him. You know, it, you could make a case, well, I don't need to carry holdovers from uh not the previous administration but just sort of the previous composition of washington i want to have a different director with a different set of priorities i think everybody would have swallowed that if he hadn't said the stupid shit he said to lester holt about yeah i got rid of him because of the russia thing yeah but even then like that was within like that was well within his brief and then you see the immediate response is sessions recusing himself and everyone being so embarrassed that Mueller gets appointed a special counsel so Muller is already a cut out from what you could infer was an illegal act or like an unethical act. So if he gets fired, then it's it, at that point. Yeah. it's So manifestly an act of obstruction that, you know, you, you could give him like, well, the first time that was impetuousness, that was um, poor messaging, that was a confluence of factors that also had to do with, OK, we think it's a waste of resources to be pursuing this as well. But now that, you know, you have Mueller, who is a response to that firing, saying, look, these investigations that Comey was overseeing that predate the Trump administration into Paul Manafort were legitimate. Uh, We have we have paper. I mean, like not to not to sound like I'm trying to be, you know, an early 20 something on Twitter. We've got the fucking receipts, literally.
1: (laughs) 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 Who do you think? could be the next person to fall. Have you got any ideas about what direction this could go in now? Cuz it feels like what Moll is doing is sending some messages and uh basically shaking people down and going if you if you come forward we're able to make a deal with you, but if you do not cooperate we're coming for you.
2: Man, I mean it's such a fun game to play and and <laughs> any of them work. I mean, like like I was saying with the uh, on another podcast, I mean, it, it could just be, you know, some lunkhead like Carter Page. It could be uh, you know it, it, there is this tree is so rotten from root to branch yeah that you could pick anyone on any part of the spectrum or the continuum can, and you have Jim, a plausible can I,
1: case can i rephrase the question sure who would it bring you most joy to see go next because i've got an answer for this and i'd love to hear yours
2: Oh, my personal one, and I've already said this, so like I, I don't want to get too much into duplicative content. My personal one is Jared Kushner.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say too. <laughs> just be, oh, good. Okay. It would be something so satisfying. I don't know if it's an ageist thing or it's just something about that shin-eating grin that has acquired so much power, so manifestly unqualified to do so uh, and, and did so through pure nepotism that there would be a real, I think, worldwide society level satisfaction and seeing that dude go down sour grapes to the max his his dad was
2: a slumlord he's a slumlord his dad went to jail for breaking the law and his response was evidently to decide well the real reason why my dad went to jail is that chris christie was a power mad monster uh so i should just go ahead and commit similar crimes because i won't get locked up Chris Christie's no longer in power. I mean, you have to be, I mean, first of all, like everything like Elizabeth Spears, who is the first editor of Gawker worked uh, under Kushner at the Observer and describes him as like just being fantastically stupid as a person. I mean, everything that you would believe of, you know, this, this neophyte billionaire son who worked for nothing, got into the Ivy League because his dad basically bought him Uh, a place uh by by like constructing an auditorium or something i mean just everything about undeserved status is embodied by this dude and then on top of it he seems so fucking vacuous that like there's no way he could take it I, i think it would be a completely shattering thing for him to actually face this like it happening again and then you can just think of all the jokes that people could have it's like oh you know sure he's getting arrested but i mean compared to solving uh solving the 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 Middle East uh, conflict Christ between was, Israel yeah. and Palestine, right? Like this guy was gonna get was gonna get the Palestinian Authority and like you know the uh, <laughs> everyone in the Knesset
1: at the same table. Like this is a piece of cake. <laughs> well, on that uh, daydream musing, let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this on politics.
0: Actor Anthony Rapp says that he was 14 when Spacey made unwanted sexual advances toward him. Spacey apologized to rap and in the same statement came out as gay. Jarika Duncan is here with a criticism over that timing.
1: You're listening to Politics, a show that dressed up for Halloween as the current world that we live in. And unfortunately, uh, well, there's a phenomenon that's happening at the moment, everyone, and it is ultimately a good thing. But it kind of in the same way as uh, ripping off a band aid, it means a lot of people whose careers. And artistic um, merits and outputs that we really enjoyed and respected for a long time are being taken down for being bad people. And the most recent example of this is Kevin Spacey, uh, who announced that he was gay to shield himself a couple of days ago from an allegation um, that he had sexually forced himself on a 14-year-old at a party. Uh, some two decades ago I think and sorry that I don't have all the details in front of me uh, but Anthony Rapp who has been a, um, a movie star, TV actor um, musical theatre person for decades came, came forward with the story off the back of uh, basically the, the Harvey Weinstein Me Too campaign where people are sharing their own stories to try and empower um, survivors of rape and even just victims of sexual assault or people who have been Um, felt to be disempowered in the workplace, predominantly by men. And uh, this is a rumour that has, about Kevin Spacey, well, this is worth acknowledging up top, there's obviously two things we're talking about here. And both were rumours that were um, sort of widely known, one more than the other. So the fact that Kevin Spacey was at least bisexual, if not gay, and it was in relationships with men, was pretty fucking widely known by... Anyone who kind of cared to find out anything about Kevin Spacey, um, there were also enough. There was enough rumours about Kevin Spacey's predilection towards younger men. Uh, that, that was a rumor that I recently heard like before this news broke it was really weird timing but um, last week I was talking to someone about all the Weinstein stuff and they said yeah the saying around Hollywood is that you, if you're a woman you never go to a hotel room with Harvey Weinstein and if you're a young guy you never go to it was like a spa pool or something with Kevin Spacey and that was the first I'd heard of it but the timing was really weird so uh, I thought I'd bring this up um, just because it's like an important cultural political conversation that's happening at the moment Jeb, but also obviously he's the star of house of cards, um, which has been, uh, it was kind of like a a nice flight of fancy during the Obama administration, but has become um, almost starkly kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Like we whimsically look at it now in terms of wanting it back in light of the the trump uh administration that frank underwood would actually be a pretty good president by comparison to the one we've got now but how do you feel about all this kevin spacey stuff
2: well i mean first of all house of cards sucked <laughs> like, i uh there's the one of the few things that like i think was going to hold up for years and years from my writing at the guardian uh aside from the as a hot dog a sandwich piece uh, is going to be that like what the fuck house of cards sucks like piece that i got to write um yeah i like god the kevin spacey thing is so like his his response was so fantastically cynical and and i was talking to a group of people when it kind of came over the wires which of course is in this case is like the twitter feed right but Mm. i was talking to a group of people and we were trying to think of like how you know how could you top the cynicism of like uh, hey, listen, I understand that these rumors are out here that I preyed on children, but it's, this is a very difficult time for me to say this, but I'm gay. Uh, thank you for your patience at this time. And I was trying to think of, like, how would that even play in real life? Like, am I driving, you know, to bring it back to scarves and convertibles, But do I have, like, a fantastic scarf and, like, big white frame sunglasses on in a coupe just slaloming over pedestrians, just crunching them under my wheels and like it's all right, I'm gay, darling. I mean, like...
1: <laughs> that is. I was talking to a couple of uh, mates of mine who were both comedians uh, here in Auckland who are, who were both gay, and they that that is almost exactly what they said. They were like, "This really feels like for." us as a class of people who have historically been associated with pedophilia for him to blow that line intentionally and use it try and then use his gayness as some sort of defense against those charges is just throwing gay men under the bus and like a disgusting horrible thing to do which i i sort of didn't um realize that it would draw the amount of venom that it did mainly i guess i had when I, I mean, this is all still unfolding now, but when I first saw it, I was like, well, shit. That's, <laughs> firstly, that's a fucking crazy thing for Kevin Spacey to, to do, to try and hide behind homosexuality to defend against a charge of essentially pedophilia. Um, but also, this is something that happened at a party like 20, 25 years ago, so I wonder if, if this will be a big thing. But obviously, it's a huge thing. Um, Netflix have cancelled... Uh, any subsequent seasons of House of Cards, apart from the one that they're finishing off now, although a lot of people are saying that they were probably going to do that anyway, and they're kind of grandstanding a little bit by using this as a chance to look like the good guys in it. But man, it's just um, it, it's it's made me think a lot about uh, if we are able as people to enjoy the art separate from these people, particularly with things like television or movies, because they're so collaborative. Do we need to write the art that comes out of these people off? Should we not be enjoying any of the art output? Or is there some way to separate the art from the artist?
2: God, yeah, this is a conversation I have more and more with time. Um, uh, You know, actually, just just to kind of go back to one thing you said, I mean, one one of the reasons why that that saying like i'm coming out was so like vicious and awful is you know if you're in the US and i you know so half of your listeners or the listeners here are uh you know the right wing has has basically weaponized that conception of gay people as always preying on kids not necessarily even because they prefer to have sex with children but because that's the only way they can make new gay people right is by getting them young you, ideally in the classroom where they, you know, gay teachers can can start to subvert their heterosexuality by programming them to be gay and then sort of create the new generation. And, like,
1: the, the, <laughs> the fact g- when that... You, you know, we, I haven't heard the gay agenda explained out loud for a little while. <laughs> Fuck it is funny to hear it just, like, laid out. What what? I mean, it's so horrible that a bunch of people have been treated like this for so long. But it's so laughably strange... <laughs>
2: yeah no i mean and it's a weird it's like a reverse eugenics argument like they know that they're gonna die out unless they can warp my kid because (laughs) there's no way that people become gay otherwise which makes me want to just kind of go like well who was the first gay person like how did that happen it's sort of like like reading vampire novels like who was the first vampire how did that happen like you know what is your logic for for this process but you know the the statistics, the crime statistics in the U.S., and this is something you can pick up just by watching, like, fucking Law and Order SVU, is that the incidence of, of pedophilia and, like, just any kind of, of preying on children is so much lower among gay men. Like, if you want to get rid of preying on children, get rid of straight men. Like, that is the biggest part of your problem. And to have this guy who's wealthy and can insulate himself from the backlash, like, Kevin Spacey isn't going to get beaten to death on the street. But there are millions of gay kids in the U.S. who just want to go out and dance somewhere, Yeah, you know, who just want to go to a club, who just want to get a beer, who just want to maybe hook up with somebody who have to be careful, you know, a little more than they already did, which was already way too much. They have to be more careful going to their car, you know, because Kevin Spacey is going to be on a bunch of assholes minds and it's just, like, oh, I'm so fucking mad about that.
1: It's, it's it's but weird. i don't know i mean like i'll i'll yeah. watch the
2: usual suspects again i mean like uh, <laughs> i'm a hypocrite a little bit i mean he didn't write it he didn't direct it he just got cast in it
1: it's genuinely weird hearing you talk about um people like i guess in new zealand we're pretty lucky and particularly the the environment the little bubble that i exist in obviously i'm like in a um pretty artsy entertainment sort of sector here at my home um but the fact that there are still people out there who are, like, afraid of gay people and afraid that gay people are going to touch their kids and stuff, I kind of had forgotten that that was a reality in certain parts of the world where people still believe that. I think that was a very, like, 80s thing. Maybe maybe sort of early to mid-90s. But i I kind of forgotten that there are those people still out there.
2: Um, no, and, and, and we export that. I guess that. Kevin we, did too. We're a leading exporter of that. And I think we might have mentioned this on a previous episode, but the, uh, the guy Martin Sempa, who is a... Uh, I think Ugandan uh, preacher, and, like you've probably seen the YouTube where this guy is—he's railing about what gay people practice—and you can hear him in his, his heavily African accented English going, "They eat da poo poo," and he's yeah, you know he's yeah. explaining that gay people eat turds all the time. <clears throat> mm. Like almost all the shit that he is doing, it, like in saying, comes out of congressional testimony from like 1993 or 1994, and he got from like when pissed. the right wing crackpots
1: what's that get personally evangelized as well from like American evangelists who went there and worked with this guy. Like, isn't there a little network of um, conservative Christian preachers who go over to these African countries and find these guys and foster these, these hateful little communities.
2: Yep, absolutely. So we are, you know, we take what, what what happens in our mainstream winds up getting exported to, to around the world when people want to, you know, everybody around the world for some reason cares about American celebrities. Um, Maybe it's just because we make more movies. I don't know. But uh, you know, the, the idea that he just advanced something that is going to ricochet around billions of people and maybe find fertile ground in an already warped mind who's been sitting and listening to some deranged ass fuck, you know, ev- ev- evangelist in some small community basically trying to make arguments for rounding up all the gay people. Like just the fact that there's one extra nugget. There's like something on the, that turd Sunday. Uh, of hate out there because this guy just wanted to bail himself out of an uncomfortable portion of the news cycle when all he could, I mean, he could have just gone to some like Island somewhere in the Mediterranean and just disappeared and collected royalties forever. But he had to do this shit. And I just, sorry, I'm just really fucking mad about that.
1: Yeah, it is. Here's an unpopular point of view. I hope that at some stage somehow People like Kevin Spacey can kind of come back from this, um, from this stuff. And the first stage of that is he's he's really gotta fucking address this obvious weird problem he has, um, in himself and why kind of figure out why it is that he's being drawn to kids that young, um, for sexual reasons. And I say that in, in in the same way that I hope that anyone who um, has sort of pedophiliac tendencies can figure out where that comes from and how to stop it um if for no other reason than the bene- benefit of general society and the safety of kids everywhere but i'm kind of i'm not personally a subscriber to this theory where we should We'll shoot them in the back of the head, you know, line them up and fire them away. But the thing that Kevin Spacey did is like twofold, whereby there is this historic charge that's come to light of of him basically, um, you know, allegedly sexually assaulting a 14 year old. Uh, But then the double whammy of hiding behind his gayness is just so, yeah, it's real fucked. And people are right to be angry about it and people should be angry for a while about it. But I also would like to think that there would be some way that he could come back from this and sort of make, make his amends with the various communities and with himself um, to be able to figure this out. But that's just my kind of rose-tinted vision of the future that I hope for people.
2: No, and that, that's not unreasonable. I think the people who just say like, oh, well, you know, he, he was a statutory rapist, he needs to be killed immediately. Are Like I completely understand the impulse to feel that way, but I think that's stupid. Uh, You know, the the problem with with pathologizing these people to the point where like they are synonymous with monstrosity and that's all they can ever be is that we're not going to learn what are triggering effects for people. We're not going to learn if maybe there there was a circumstance that shaped that that pattern behavior. I mean, I don't know why Kevin Spacey chose a 14 year old boy. I don't know if it means that he sexually prefers them or if maybe like, you know, maybe he was assaulted at that age or something like maybe there's a way he can function in a way that he doesn't harm other people. And I don't want to fill jails and I don't want to fill coffins. I want to just help to make sure that no kids get harmed and. Like the, you know, just automatically reflexively turning to like, oh, they're monsters, and the only thing that's good for them is a is lead. Mm. uh Doesn't help to eradicate the conditions that that allow kids to that will allow kids to be hurt in the future. Yeah, that, but, that will contribute to you know hurting kids in the future.
1: But everyone definitely has a right, and I, I you know, it, even I'm pissed off about this because i've got quite a lot of gay friends who have to put up with a lot of bullshit i think everyone has a very justifiable right to be incredibly pissed off that this very smart grown ass man decided to use homosexuality as a shield um against this charge and it even to the point where it felt like pretty crafted and ready to go as soon as one of these things sort of hit the hit the media um fan and the brown stuff started hitting the ceiling
2: yeah like the fact yeah the, the sense that he had that one locked and loaded for yeah. like oh hey you know coming out is my get out of jail free card when it comes up as Doesn't if he work, knew though. it was going to come up
1: <laughs> but man did that backfire which is kind of a testament to the times we live in you know there's there's a lot of bad stuff happening but there's there is a real um fostering of protection of people who have historically been really shat on and trying to to come together to support minorities so i'm all for a bit of that um, and on that, I think we've got to end it. Cause Jeb, you've got to go get your son and celebrate your Halloween.
2: Yeah, no, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta go get free diabetes from all our neighbors and, uh, you know, explain what the, the costume is. Uh, I think, I think he's going as a park ranger. I'm <laughs> <Not> really <laughs> sure. We got, <laughs> uh, cute. yeah, he's got, got a real like outdoorsy vibe going on this year. Um, so I like, I do if you have any suggestions for what national park he works at, I mean, I don't really have any patter worked up for the neighbors so far.
1: That way it's go. scary because that thing's supposed to be a super volcano ready to blow at any time.
2: I'll tell you what, Jellystone, and then we just say we're there for the picnic baskets.
1: Oh, that's good too. Yeah, either worked. Either way, Jeb, you enjoy that. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween to everyone listening, and we will um, catch you soon. I'm actually going to be in America soon doing a bit of work, so the release schedule might get a little bit patchy for the next few weeks. So apologies in advance if that happens. Or oh, it'll be fine.
2: See you, Jeb. Bye-bye. The really historic tax cuts, there's never been anything like this in the history of our country. It's cuts and it's relief, and it's also reform. And frankly, it's also simplification. So we're covering everything. There has never been anything like it.
0: Hold up.